1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Hello, I'm Liz Loza. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. We have actual regular season football to discuss. And helping me break down all of the games is the man, the myth, the lifelong 49ers fan even this week, (laughs) Matt Harmon. But first, a little pre-show business. If your Yahoo Fantasy football team is lagging behind after week one and you're looking for an edge, you need Yahoo Fantasy Plus. There are included trade hubs, a research assistant, cheat sheets, all sorts of deeper extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy you know and love. Get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Speaking of plus, you would imagine, Matt Harmon, that uh, Houston and Jacksonville would be a plus matchup for Jacksonville. But oh, other
1: way mm. around. Well done like that. This this uh, immediately seemed like the everybody let's pile on, uh, you know, Urban Meyer affair. And obviously, uh, you know, at, at this point, Meyer's just kind of like it's he's a layup pass basically like if you want to take a shot at urban meyer it's kind of easy at this point like it's just almost it's too easy to really respect anybody that's going to take the shot at this point um but the biggest thing to me obviously for fantasy was you know i said on ffl this morning like this is the perfect setup for a guy like james robinson right because going in against a bad defense a bad team but you know man jacksonville's defense really looked like the bigger problem uh against tarod taylor the running back specter, mark ingram 26 carries in this spot. Didn't see that one coming among many things that I did not see coming in week one. That might've been one of the biggest, but obviously James Robinson kind of game scripted out of this one, five carries, six targets, Uh, you know, Carlos Hyde getting a decent amount of work. That was probably like, the biggest nightmare scenario for the folks that immediately like of which I was one of them that boosted James Robinson up to kind of like that third fourth round range
0: yeah I agree it was interesting because I mentioned on FFL that James Robinson was $26 in Yahoo DFS and then it was Mark Ingram who got the 26 carries and I I will be the first to admit that I thought Mark Ingram was really added to the Texans backfield to add a veteran presence and kind of assuage the chaos that everyone has been talking about, right? We knew what a presence he was in Baltimore, what a locker room glue guy hype man and figured that the team needed someone like that. But no, I mean, they're going to let him have a, unless, unless, and I mean, unless this was a showcase for the Ravens to bring him (sighs) back to Baltimore. I don't know. And anything is possible. You know what else is crazy? This is not a fantasy take, but just one of those weird NFL trivia takes it is wild to me that Trevor Lawrence's first regular season loss of his whole dang life came versus the Texans.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, this version of the Texans, too, unbelievable, right? Like, never, guys, never won a regular season game. High school, college, like you mentioned, he's lost a couple college playoff games, but his first loss comes to these, these Houston Texans. Give me a break. Uh, poor guy. I, I, how's he going to live that down?
0: I do think from a fantasy perspective, though, when we're looking at, because we know that these receivers in, especially after, as you mentioned, the show of this defense, the receivers in Jacksonville are going to be fantasy worthy. It may not be pretty, but the volume should be there. I liked Marvin Jones heading into the matchup. I said he'd clear 70 yards and a touchdown. That's what he did. He showed the most chemistry with Trevor Lawrence uh, converting. (laughs) Took
1: took, took like every minute of game time to make it happen. But yes, he definitely did clear that number there at the end. All of these guys, uh, nine targets for Jones, nine targets for Chenault, 12 for uh, DJ Chark, 12 targets, three catches for DJ Chark. Well, that's the thing, though, because remember,
0: Chark missed uh, a good chunk of time over the summer and obviously trevor is uh is a rookie i always want to call him trevor lewis by the way who's our social media guy so i know it's gonna happen i'm just getting it out of the way now uh trevor but wishes. uh he didn't have time to like work on his rapport and i think you're seeing that with the inefficiency of three of twelve so mm-hmm. uh i don't think dj chark is like dead in the water still um and we're gonna have to play no. those matchups because he did show that he has like the same physical prowess that we believed him to have previously
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: All right, let's move on to a game that was closer than I think people expected, at least for the first three quarters. The Chargers at the Washington football team, the Washington football team defense looking absolutely legit. Also particularly impressed by William Jackson, who they added to replace Ronald Darby in the secondary. And that was an obvious upgrade for the secondary in Washington. He ended up picking off. Justin Herbert, but still Herbert, like the thing about Herbert that is so good, like the kid does not get shook. He just stays focused. And that benefited him because it just, it kept, he kept at it and ended up beating. uh, And and by the way, this was one of those body clock games, right? Where you've got a West Coast team traveling Mm -hmm. to the East and still managed to win by four, um, where do you want to start here? Because I think there were, we could talk about Fitzmagic magic getting hurt, which was ugh, a yeah. crusher. Uh um, let's start there. Okay, great.
1: Well, actually, I wanted to start with the Chargers too, because I agree with you from okay. like a real life perspective. It was it was a very uh like mature performance, you know. Yeah. I feel like the Chargers of old would have gone in there and blown this one to Taylor Heineke in some way. Uh Absolutely. that did not happen. Uh that did not happen in this spot. Keenan Allen was awesome in this one. Uh I wrote before the year that I think that before the season that I think he has a shot to be like the, the number one one receiver in fantasy football this year, 13 targets. Justin Herbert was great. And again, this is a really difficult spot, like you mentioned. So I don't even really care about the end result numbers for any of these guys. Just the fact that they came in here and gave you like a baseline performance. Even Austin Eckler scores to touchdown wasn't involved in the passing game. But yeah, I mean, I think this this is exactly what we expected from uh, the Chargers offense. And also, if you did the right thing and drafted Mike Williams late in your draft, you at least got one of these big weeks out of him, 12 targets over 80 yards, a touchdown. Um, I think it's going to be mostly those guys in the passing game this year. And, you know, on the Fitz magic side, it sucks. I mean, just a brutal uh, situation. I've seen it compared to like, the Bud Light version of Tua's hip injury—that's not great. You don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that. Um, we'll see what happens, but it sounds like he's it, it is a serious injury, and he's going to miss a good bit of time. Maybe by the time folks are listening to this on Monday, they already know what happened here. But I would prepare for uh, the Taylor Heineke show, the pride of Old Dominion, Taylor Heineke, uh, to take a lot of uh, to take a lot of games here, and it just sucks for Fitzpatrick for sure.
0: Ah, There could be some movement too. questions about maybe Cam Newton and the, you know, obvious relationship that he had with Ron Rivera. I still think that like Kyle Shanahan's trying, trying to use Jimmy Garoppolo as a little bit of a trade piece before Trey Lance Mm. uh, comes in fully. We'll get to that game in a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise (laughs) me if once they figure out Taylor Heineke is not it maybe there's a, a veteran QB that, that comes into the picture. But what do you think Fitzmagic's absence? Because the whole offseason, we've spent months like writing these these like YOLO aggro excitement articles about Fitz's style of play, his Sandlaw style of play and Scott Turner's aggressiveness. And like now you're seeing Terry McLaurin like just catch things that are acrobatic and impossible.
1: I know, unbelievable.
0: And it's it feels like like he did so well with such a I don't know, I guess she's collection of talent under center last season. So we know the talent is there, but like, it's such a bummer that he can't reach his ceiling. I think we're going to see a lot more Antonio Gibson, you know, the fact that he got five targets in the passing game Like, helps hint to me versus J.D. McKissick's one target that, like, indeed Mm -hmm. the evolution of his skill set as a converted wide receiver, right, is, like, is starting to happen. Like, those promises, we're seeing uh, turnover a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I thought the exact same thing. More Antonio Gibson, 20 carries in this one. You know, J.D. McKissick gets one carry. Jarrett Patterson gets two carries behind him. And then, as you mentioned, Gibson was way more involved. Like, I don't—I still think McKissick is going to play third downs, but I don't really care that much about that. Like, you know, and especially this was a competitive game. I mean, Washington was generally trailing through most of the contest. But um, still, nevertheless, like this was a game that was close. It was competitive in those spots. I still think that Gibson's going to be the primary pass catcher. Like maybe if they're down like 14 points or something, which, hey, that might happen now in, in different <laughs> yeah. situations with old. Uh, and I actually think that Taylor Heineke, I don't know, is not terrible maybe I have a bias for the guy because I did see him play college football I saw his like first college game ever back at Old Dominion but like I think he's got he's like the poor man's Fitzpatrick and that he's got a lot of recklessness to him he's probably gonna get hurt at some point because that's the one thing with, with old Taylor is he always gets himself hurt somehow because he's too reckless but he's kind of in that way sort of like a like a poor man's ride Fitzpatrick basically where he's gonna be aggressive like he's not a, he's it's not gonna go back to the Alex Smith version of the offense basically from what we saw last year's the way i'd look at it but either way good news for antonio gibson who unless they're like down by multiple scores or it's you know a ton of third down situations he's still going to catch plenty of passes and that's what he needs to unlock like top 10 running back upside
0: And good news, bad news for Washington. Just FYI, like you're mentioning Heineke. There's not a ton of tape on him, right? We have the playoffs last year, but that's basically it. And then this game, it's a short turnaround, and they're playing the division rival Giants. Whoa, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're playing the Giants (laughs) on Thursday night. So like that, I think that actually Uh. works in Washington's favor uh, because there's not going to be a whole lot of time for Joe Judge to get out there and make people run laps and grind tape. But we will
1: hey, get Joe needs to run some <laughs> laps after that that challenge Ooh. call at the, at, on the scoring play. If anybody needs to be running. Lap, I hope Ooh. he got out there and put his own running shoes on for that one.
0: I mean, I hear that running is a reward, not a, a punishment, but we're all over the NFC East now with references. Let's get back to uh, the games that were played, Seattle and Indianapolis. You know, if you look and you see that, that uh, Russell Wilson threw four touchdowns, you might be like, oh, I guess Shane Waldron is letting him cook. But um, you look a little deeper and you realize you only had 23 pass attempts in this one. I don't think it's any evidence necessarily of the cooking or the non-cooking, but really uh, just how well the Seahawks took it to the Colts.
1: Yeah, for me, it hasn't been about let Russ cook. It's been let Russ be efficient. Let Russ be, um, like consistent. That's what we need more out of, um, you know, maybe he's not consistently cooking as long as we're consistently eating something. You know, cooking some days, takeout some days, you know, picking up from uh, some leftovers ever. Whatever. He is feeding the family. Just
0: feed the family.
1: Just feed the family, Russ. I don't care if you cook it. I don't care if you get takeout, whatever. We go out one night, that's fine, but let's just feed the family. And the family did eat today. Two touchdowns for Tyler Lockett. DK gets his as well. And Russ, with a. Big thing here, going deep a ton. Led led all quarterbacks in air yards per attempt this week. That was great to see. I I I think that like the layup and matriculation of the offense is in place here with Shane Waldron. I was very excited about this offensive coordinator signing or uh, hiring this Mm -hmm. year, and based on what we saw from Week One. I think this was kind of like the best again, it's the best marriage of what Pete Carroll wants and what Russell Wilson wants, which is Pete wants to run the ball and all that stuff. But Russ also wants to be an efficient like top five passer. I think that we can do that here in this offense.
0: I agree. And, you know, you're also I love that you mentioned the efficiency locket and Metcalf both catch four or five for an insane amount of yards um, or at least locket for 100. Also, Jared Everett, two looks two catches like I think Gerald Everett who came with you know who was uh Shane Waldron's former James Shane Waldron was his position coach uh, back in Los Angeles like so much like NFC West inter Uh,
1: so it's such an incestuous uh division and like they all come from now like they're all running I I don't really I guess I don't really know what Cliff Like, Cliff's not the same um, coaching tree, but Shanahan, McVay, Waldron, they're all kind of running. I mean, so much of the league is now running this, like, Shanahan offshoot offense. So, uh, I guess it doesn't really – it's not that weird that three teams out of four. No, it's
0: kind of like horse racing, though. Like, reminds me of horse racing and all of the, like, different breeding trees that they all, like, basically come from one or two horses. Anyway, I I like horse racing. That's fine. Um, (laughs) So, um, last thing, though, (laughs) Chris Carson, right? Like – Chris Carson yeah. converted three of three, and we love to see him involved. He has gotten himself more involved over the past two years in the passing game, so that's a nice bonus. On the Indianapolis side of things, like, <laughs> I don't—I'm I don't, just taking a big breath because I don't really—you know, Zach Pascal, I guess, is the big winner. I will also say, you know, I expected more, frankly, out of Michael Pittman, but I think given Wentz's— like starting and stopping troubles like maybe the rust maybe he's not good maybe there's a lot of maybes but like I think T.Y. Hilton's absence from the slot actually benefited Naheem Hines more than anyone would anticipate because Hines led the receiving core in targets
1: yeah no actually that's and I thought that was interesting that Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines were both still really involved as receivers because I I thought that Taylor might take and we'll see. Maybe it's a one-game blip or whatever. But I thought Taylor might take a, a decent step back as a receiver because, like, all of these guys, Hines, Taylor, you know, other backs, they caught passes because, I, you know, figured because this Philip Rivers. He's always fed pass-catching running mm-hmm. backs and stuff like that, that, that whole narrative. But um, the fact that that was maybe potentially still baked into the offense just as a whole that Taylor's going to catch passes, that's really going to help save his fantasy floor in general. Now, the good news for Michael Pittman Clearly the number one receiver still on the team, 43 routes. Zach Pascal did run 41 routes, uh, four to five targets. Like, it wasn't so heavily in favor of Zach Pascal or anything like that. But I do think if you – are in need of a, like, if you're in a deeper league or something like that. I think Pascal is going to remain, like, on the radar. I think he's going to remain a pretty big part of this team. Um, like, I'd certainly rather, I think I'd probably rather roster Zach Pascal than Paris Campbell because I'm just kind of done with the oh, whole yeah. Paris Campbell thing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, give me a break. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that, um, I do think that that Michael Pittman is still in really good shape as the team's clear number one receiver. And um, uh, it was just probably would have expected a little better with Seattle's cornerback core back there. But it is what it is.
0: I agree. And by the way, props to Dalton Del Don, who predicted a big game, at least a DFS-worthy start, on thursday fridays episode. Uh, let's move along to some sweet revenge for Sam Darnold, who hosted his former team. Um, and it was also Zach Wilson's debut. But Darnold, like, I-, I liked this showing for Darnold because he didn't have to do a whole lot. It was just one passing touchdown, uh, three targets, but one catch. For Robbie Anderson in the end zone, looking like much more old school Robbie Anderson, not 2020 (laughs) Robbie Anderson, which was also interesting. And then, you know, when you have Christian McCaffrey back, you don't have to do a whole bunch. Like, that's the centerpiece of the offense, and that really does help lift the quarterback.
1: Seriously, like life's a lot easier when you actually have just like the greatest running back in the league. You can just drop off to for, you know, nine times for 89 yards or whatever. So, yeah, Robbie Anderson, I, it is kind of actually reminiscent of last year, too. He caught that 75 yard touchdown from Hell Teddy yeah. Bridgewater deep against the Raiders and then never caught another deep pass again. I don't think that's going to happen this year with Sam Donald. No. We're going to see more deep shots for Robbie Anderson. So that was encouraging. The Panthers just didn't have to do much because the first half for the Jets was unbelievable. Bad. Bad. And Makai Becton gets carted off with a Great pretty point. serious injury. That's tough. Um, you know, I don't think that the the Panthers have. A group of pass rushers like Brian Burns, I think, could be on the point where he's going to take that next step. Derek Brown is in his second year, so Gross Matos is a guy that they're pretty high on over there. So, like, it's not as if, like, oh, man, the Panthers pass rush. What a fearsome unit or whatever, but I could understand how this young offensive line that's missing one of its best players would get taken advantage of in this spot. That's something we have to watch with Zach Wilson, but... I did like how Zach Wilson and the guys that Corey Davis especially put it together in the second half was able to kind of make this thing competitive and uh, make you look good. If you started Corey Davis in your daily fantasy lineup, like, I did, thank God, <laughs> thank God that. Uh, yeah, out. you crushed
0: this week, but I think I'm I'm nipping at your I was nipping at your heels, or I came in third. I stopped paying attention because I had other content to do like you, you did, but you like, were right, crushing. You
1: and Tank are like right behind me. Uh, Dan sent me the the standings. I uh, look, I don't normally like get real up for this stuff, but I really want to crush Tank this year. I don't, I he can't win again. He's too. He's like every. I mean, it is great to watch Tank showboat on FFL because he's just the he's just the man. But it's enough. Like we gotta we gotta <laughs> we gotta stop this.
0: Harmon's putting you on notice, Tank. I hope you heard it here. He did not listen. Anyway, didn't listen to that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did get a question before the show, before FFL, about whether Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson was the long-term answer because I, in my sleepers article, by the way, week one sleepers, have fun. It, it's not like the, you're, you're digging for, I don't know what, truffles, I guess, yeah. because
1: there's a lot truffles. to sift
0: through. But Tevin Coleman is the RB1. He did get nine rush attempts. I was surprised we didn't see him at all in the passing game because – He's kind of known for being a bit of a a pass catcher out of the backfield. Ty Johnson, I think, is the answer long term. I think, again, credit to Dalton Don, who's been pounding that uh, drum since, I don't know, June, July. But even though Ty Johnson didn't have as many carries, he he did see more looks uh, in the passing game. So he saw a total of like seven opportunities. I don't know if we're going to see, like, honestly, the backfield be important because I expect this team to be... Yeah. Coming from behind a lot, but with the absence of Makai Becton, you have to imagine. And Zach Wilson, like I know that like we love to see him like whip across body, and he's kind of got this um, I don't know big Leo energy feel about him. So he wants to do everything like starry eyed. <laughs> I do think that like he'll eventually get that coaching to like check down if the O line is a little yeah. bit messed up, and if Jamison Crowder is Jamison Crowder. I mean, he's on the COVID list right now, so he's not available. I think we're gonna we're gonna see more of that. I have a feeling it's gonna go to Johnson.
1: Yeah, I think that checks out.
0: Uh, checks out. Check, check. Okay. Um, Joe Burrow won a game against Kirk Cousins in overtime. I started Adam Thielen in daily, and I, despite nice. the, like, 14 touchdowns from last year and expecting the regression, had a feeling against this defense and the absence of Irv Smith that he was still going to see plenty of red zone looks, and that turned out pretty well because he did score twice this week. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen every week. I do think this is, Thielen is going to be interesting, but clearly Kirk Cousins loves him in the red area of the field, and I don't think we can write him off that easily.
1: Thielen was, like, undervalued in drafts because I yeah. thought, you know, you'd think that somebody that scored all those touchdowns would get boosted up the board, but he wasn't really. Like, he was still a, a guy that you could get in the fourth or fifth round or something like that. So I, I'm, I'm totally cool with Thielen the rest of the year. Like, these type of performances are going to happen. I think he should be just, he should be pretty steady. All year mm-hmm. long, basically. I think that the Vikings offense started off pretty messy. Uh, I was expecting the Bengals to start off messy. Um, they weren't, like, firing on all cylinders or anything like that, but definitely better than expectation. And really, I think it was, a lot of it was because the Vikings kept putting them in good positions. Like, how much longer – like, how I, I texted a friend today. I was like, I literally think Mike Zimmer – Fantasizes about driving Andy. Dal- uh, oh, I said Andy Dalton so, uh, a <laughs> slip there. Driving Kirk Cousins to the middle of the desert and just leaving him there, like just, just something like that. he's got to be so. Box? I mean, yeah. Hey, then no one will hear him call for help. I guess that's so dark. I'm so sorry, but uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's uh it's I. He's a very frustrating quarterback to watch. He's got to be frustrating for a coach like this. Even like the final stat line is great: 351 sure. yards, two touchdowns. 106 quarterback rating, but there's just so many little mistakes, so many misses there. Overall, I think think the Vikings' offense will be fine. I think the more encouraging performance was from the Bengals' offense. Joe Burrow didn't have the biggest volume game or anything like that, but 9.7 yards per attempt, like the fact that he connected with Jamar Chase, you know, he of the preseason drops, he connected with him on uh, that vertical pass. Like that was that play right there. That was what they brought in. That's why they drafted Jamar Chase over uh, a damn offensive lineman to actually fix their vertical passing game. So if Chase is really ready to roll right away from week one going forward, that is huge, huge for the rest of their season.
0: I think it's also huge for the running game. I mean, I I have been really high at least compared to the consensus on Joe Mixon because I felt like the uh, his efficiency should improve even if the O-line is still bad given what you're talking about the vertical game being stretched and allowing for more holes to open up for him and 29 carries Joe Mixon 29 carries 127 yards and a touchdown like he was not terribly efficient I think that's like Just under 4.5 yards per carry, but he also in a game where we expected Tyler Boyd to see a lot of looks and Joe Burrow to be checking down because he was getting his sea legs back under him. Instead, it was Mixon. No more Gio Bernard. He's obviously in Tampa Bay, converting four of four for another 23 in PPR. Like we love to see that, and Mixon has always been an efficient pass catcher, even if he hasn't had as many opportunities because of Bernard's presence previously. So I'm liking more and more Mixon again. Obviously, health is the major major concern
1: yeah yeah we'll see we'll see how long he's out there that's the only well, thing. he
0: held on through overtime you know I we can't we can't look past that Arizona... don't you think that's a hey,
1: that's running I mean it's running into into future games I don't know we don't need to see <laughs> any more Bengals overtime <laughs> I have I,
0: there might I, don't you think there might be a lot of Bengals overtime you think about well, it? well,
1: if you could, like, if you could have scripted, like, could you have scripted two better teams to have potentially tied, like, in week one, that the, the oh, damn sure. Bengals and the Kirk Cousins sure. Vikings? Like, we honestly need more, like, we need an eight and eight in our life, and even if it's eight eight and one, like, those two teams are perfect candidates for that.
0: Well, they have the Bears, the Bengals do, and they're at Soldier Field next week in a potential revenge game for Andy Dalton. But let's not let's not talk about those right now. I I've, well, we could have because I thought that Arizona Tennessee could have been a Malcolm Butler revenge game. Uh, but instead let's just focus on Kyler Murray. Cause he absolutely lit it up. I think, you know, I did the uh, you pod to win the game pod with Charles Robinson. And we discussed how we were looking at like early potential coach firings. And we both agreed that like Cliff Kingsbury was definitely on the hot seat and had to figure it out, especially given the division that he's playing in. And, I mean, he must have hurt us because this was absolute domination in the desert.
1: I was really surprised. Um, this performance brings up, you know, we obviously get to Kyler Murray and that all of that, but this performance does like raise, I don't know, some question marks about the Titans overall. Cause like obviously they have they have a great offensive ecosystem. They've got three stars and Julio Jones and Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. And uh, obviously, Ryan Tannehill is like a great facilitator for all of these guys as well, at the very least. Like, I mean, he's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks over the last two years, like basically behind Patrick Holmes in adjusted yards per attempt. Like he's he's up there. But everything else on this team kind of stinks. I mean, I think Taylor Wands game was kind of a fluke against Chandler Jones, who had five sacks. Yeah um but Taylor Lewan is working his way back from a pretty serious injury last year so we'll see um if that is like a persistent problem but that defense and and this is where Kyler Murray comes into play like that defense is going to get dog walked all year in Tennessee which should theoretically I was hoping that that would have led to more opportunities for Brown and Julio Jones and all that against a cornerback room that is really deficient there in arizona but it was just it was just all arizona like then not like tennessee could do nothing in this game which was surprising to me but very encouraging performance for kyler murray nine yards per attempt that's what we want to see aj green was not very involved or not very effective two catches for 25 yards but did run the second most routes behind deandre hopkins we will see how long uh that holds only 14 routes Yeah, for Rondell Moore, although Rondell Moore four catches for 68 yards. Christian Kirk, two touchdowns on just 22 routes. So, I don't know. Also, Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, big winner from this game as well. Uh, 12 carries for 63 yards. Also, four catches for 43. Runs 26 routes, which was third on the team. He's a guy that's going to be like a weekly flex consideration in any half point or full PPR format.
0: I think that the problem with the Titans is, is that some bad juju was created when AJ Brown took number eleven? Because the only reason I well, knew it's his that,
1: number, you know. Well, it was, it
0: was, but why is why is Julio Jones wearing number seven? This is not two. right. He's, or he's wearing, wearing number two, th- right? Or he's wearing number two. I, when I saw a number eleven targeted in the in the uh, in the red zone, I was like, "Oh, that can't be Julio. That must be AJ Brown," because it's in the red zone. <laughs>
1: Not because it's number 11.
0: No, I don't know. It's it, is not a little, right, it is slightly it's not right.
1: disorienting. It's slightly disorienting. I, I do feel a little attacked by the NFL in general that they bring these two massive changes at once, which is uh, obviously the one is the 17 game schedule. That's to, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm finally up to speed on or at least just not saying records as much. <laughs> I guess I'm just, like, not going to reference records as much. Uh, but I feel like I'm kind of worked around that. It's still ta- I admit it's still taking me a little bit when I'm seeing, like, number eight rush the passer on defense. Like, these two massive changes, I feel a little attacked that they dig both of these changes at once.
0: Well, and everybody wears number seven. I swear there's, like, 14 sevens on every team. That's everybody's, yes. uh, everybody's favorite. And next week everybody we'll see... Seven. Ever, we'll see next week if the Titans can uh, right the ship, or at least if their defense cannot be righted, which, I mean, come on, Vrabel, that's kind of your thing. Maybe the offense can get going because they will be at Seattle. So, you know, I'd be interested to see what the line is or what the projected point total is when that comes out, because I'm imagining there should be some opportunity for ping-ponging back and forth, especially given the stars that you mentioned. Okay, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about the 49ers. We talked, I feel like we've talked about the 49ers all summer. We talked about the 49ers endlessly. Yeah. <laughs> during FFL. I don't, I mean, if people were playing drinking games while watching FFL, then they should have drank every time Tank mentioned Shenanah Hannigans because they were talked about. And then it's like, We manifested it, but to a level that none of us knew. It was like playing with a Ouija board. We should not have messed with it. We shouldn't
1: have messed with that. We should not have messed with that. It was like a a parody of itself.
0: Yes. I totally agree. I mean, you've got um, Sermon Inactive, Surprise Inactive, and then uh, Brandon Ayuk. Well, actually, you know what? Why don't you talk about it? Because he's your rocket ship guy.
1: I know. Oh, my God. And this is the thing with the whole 49ers situation is like anybody out there talking in hindsight bias about like oh Trey sermon of course you told you so on that or told you so about I you no you didn't like none of this was <laughs> reported as a possibility like Kyle Shanahan comes out after the game and it's like oh yeah Trey sermon is is the third back well where the where the hell did that come from? Like he was running with the starters in preseason. He was out there taking pass catching reps ahead of everybody in the damn preseason. What are we talking what are we talking about? He was a third back coming out of training camp behind Hasty and Mitchell and Mostert. Like, what what? I'll say no what no one said that. No reporter said it. You know, it's just fine, but let's not act like it was a predictable event. And then the Iuk thing, I guess like the way Shanahan explained it was it's a kind of a twofold thing. Number one that uh, they're still worried about his hamstring. His hamstring is still tight. It's been an injury issue. So they basically just didn't see. And uh, shout out to Trevor Lewis. You mentioned him earlier, our our social uh, media editor. He he said to me while we were watching this game, he's like, kind of feels like the Lions or the the 49ers are like that SEC team that plays like an FCS team. You know, when like Alabama goes against Western Christian, North Dakota, Southern uh, State or whatever (laughs) in week one of the college football season. That was kind of how it was the 49ers going, going against the Lions. So I think Shanahan basically is like, well, well, I don't really have to ride Ayuk in this game. Um, we can put him on the shelf with this hamstring injury. Like basically he was just used as a decoy. And also, though, he did say, like, Trenton Sherfield did deserve um to play. Like, mm-hmm. they liked the way he's had a good camp, everything. So, which is good because this offense does need a third receiver to emerge. So the way I'm looking at Ayuk right now, the sermon thing, I don't I don't know what to tell you about that. Like I wouldn't drop Trey Sermon at all. Like, that would be crazy because, I mean, hell, like Shanna Hannigan's or whatever, he could come out and be a top 15 running back play next week. That's how – as confusing as it is. Like, if he's just – all right, this guy's just playing. So, that I don't know what to tell you about that. Ayuk thing, I think it's just – we're just going to have to wait till till we see him run, like, Like, let him have that blow up game on your bench and then feel good about like, okay, I can trust him now because he's running a full complement of routes and starting and blah, blah, blah. But I also would say, too, about this passing game, like this is kind of how it's going to go regardless, is that it's probably only going to be like. One guy has a massive week, which was Debo Samuel this week. One guy has an eye game, which was George Kittle this week. And then they're just kind of scraps for the rest of the guys to pick up because that's just the type of football they want to play. And and that's just kind of how it's going to go. This was an extreme example, obviously, with Brandon Ayuk. But I wouldn't move. I'm not moving off my optimistic long-term projections on Ayuk an inch but uh, especially because it did seem to be injury related and like, let's just finger cross that that's the truth. There are like some little internet rumors Um, been a bad week for internet rumors in fantasy. So I probably (laughs) probably shouldn't even give this credit, but like, Um, A lot of goofballs out there acting ridiculous with these uh, with, with the way they're responding to these things. But uh, I would say there are some, there is some chatter that like they like Trey Sermon and Brandon, Ayuk might've broken a curfew or something. And that might've been part of this too, but I don't know. We'll see either way. I'm fine with Ayuk long-term, but let him have that blow up game on your bench before you trust him again.
0: Fantasy gumshoe work. Uh, I think I know what you're reffing. In fact, the rumors were about a running back on the other side of the field slash team, the other team, um, before we get to DeAndre Swift and company, by the way, though, I do want to mention that uh, Raheem Mostert, if y'all who are listening didn't know, uh, he left the game with a knee yeah. injury, right? He was ruled out for the rest of the week. So I think also, Matt, you would agree that like Trey Sermon, Mostert had a knee issue like in June as well and then worked yeah. through it. And we know he's a player. They who's, put him like, on ice it.
1: all preseason.
0: Exactly. Um, I did still think that like he would be healthy and he would feast against Detroit this week and that didn't work out. And whoever text whoever tweeted at me and told me I owe them a steak dinner because Raheem Mostert like hurt his knee and I recommended him like, yo, you are straight ground chuck. I don't owe you nothing. But I do think Trey Sermon could Trey Sermon could now be elevated if Mostert's knee remains an issue. All right, now let's get to the Lions because so to me, like I, I think this is kind of a Harmon-esque take, and I'm in alignment with it. Oh, I think that like Detroit Pizza is stone cold worst pizza, but it's still pizza, and the same is true of fantasy points. There is some goodness to be mined here in Detroit. The ADP of the receivers was all over the place because fantasy managers did not know where to invest, right? Like, was it Perryman? He gets cut. Was it Tyrell Williams? Well, uh, mm, I don't think so. Is it Quentin Seifert? It doesn't matter. I think the answer remains Hawkinson. That one we were pretty sure about. That seems to have been bared out. And then the backfield, which is a bit surprising. Heading into this game, like, you had some concerns about Swift. I had some concerns Mm -hmm. about Swift. He was coming off of that groin injury. But the tandem here between jamal williams the former packer and deandre swift and also like it's a 60 40 but a pretty close split but the amount of receiving Mm -hmm. work available for swift i think really like bolsters his stock especially given where he fell adp wise
1: first of all i what what even is detroit pizza this might just be me showing
0: it's like square pizza have you ever had square pizza like it literally in the shape of squares that's detroit pizza some people swear by it
1: I mean, whatever makes you happy in this life, I guess. But I'm, I am with you on the take that like pizza is pizza. If you're like the people who like are come to some giant pizza party, it's like. Ugh dominoes or something it's like oh give me a break like it's freaking it's pizza okay eat it and enjoy it and you're probably it's drunk cheese anyways and so, yeah like what who, who hates oh, that the real, i mean maybe my art like yeah is an artisan pizza or some neapolitan thing is that good i'm duh but like you're again you're probably drunk anyways so just eat the damn uh pizza hut shout out to whichever one sponsors us more often here
0: neither <laughs> but we definitely hey. need to call them <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. Give me a, give me a, get me on the blower with the uh, with Pizza Hut here. No, but the DeAndre Swift thing, I do think this is about as encouraging a, as a week one outing as you could get. He leads the team with eleven targets. He was on, he was in a route on sixty three percent of the Lions' passing plays. That is huge. If he's going to play that kind of role for this team, because let me tell you what's definitely going to happen. <laughs> The Lions are definitely going to be in game scripts like this very, very, very often, if not all the time, if not all the time, uh, because that defense is not good. Uh, like whoever your running back is and they're playing the Lions, you go want to go ahead and put that guy in your lineup. This defense is still problematic. Um, the offense still has a ways, a ways to go or whatever. But, you know, if Swift is going to play, um, like be running routes on that high a percentage of their passing plays – He's going to return potentially like top fifteen running back uh, value in that range because he's still an explosive player. Um, I, you know, Jamal Williams was involved in the passing game too. Like these guys, but Jamal Williams was like not getting designed passing looks. Swift was getting designed passing looks. So yeah, it's Swift to Hawkinson, and it might be Williams a little bit too. And you know, the receivers, Adam. I don't, don't want to mess around with that. But yeah, Swift. Uh-uh. This was kind of a huge win for him.
0: I agree with you. And next week, by the way, the Detroit Lions are at Lambeau. So it's a bit of a revenge game for Jamal Williams. I don't see him being faded oh. out. I would not. I would not just assume that this is anomaly for week one. At least I'm still holding on to him, especially like I, I'm in this standard scoring league and di- it's a dynasty standard scoring league. It is so dusty. What but year I was is like, this? I, it's on Flea Flicker too. Am I allowed to say that?
1: Oh god. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have a but. I have a dynasty league there. It's like the one I forget about because it's like uh, <laughs> I'm I'm in my I'm in like I got to go through my regular apps. You know, this is tough.
0: Yeah, I do it on the laptop. I don't even do it on the app because I'm like, well, I know, did they have Do they have one? Um, they do have an
1: app. Just but Jamal Williams wondering. is like
0: peak that league. And so anybody who's playing in that a non PPR format like and we did see Jamal Williams did catch a, a decent amount of balls when Aaron Jones. I think he went over 100 yards, by the way, in back to back weeks when Aaron Jones was injured in the first half of last year on the Packers. So. Not someone that you want to fade, and I think he's going to continue to have goal line appeal and be a nice flex for standard uh, s- standard scoring systems and formats. Um Liz,
1: do you, do you know who my RB2 is on my Flea Flicker Dynasty League now that Gus Edwards got hurt? Is it? Jamal, Jamal Williams.
0: Williams. All
1: right. <laughs> yeah. All right. What a, what a s- synchronized take here.
0: All right. so So we're preaching the truth. Like, we say it and we live it. You know who didn't live up to expectations, though, or didn't seem to bring the truth? Buffalo. What the (laughs) what? Buffalo was favored by six and a half going into this game. And I can't believe that Pittsburgh, of all teams, took it to them. I also want to give major props. We were not high enough on Chase Claypool. Like... I know the take is going to be for people who didn't watch the game. Like, Deontay Johnson is still bay. He had Tredavious White to worry about. And that is probably true-ish. But Claypool had some incredible sideline catches. One in particular with White draped all over him. So I, Chase Claypool is going to have himself some ceiling games. And I am getting more and more excited for the places where I took him late.
1: I, I don't know. I'm a little... No? I actually feel kind of the the opposite way about uh, Chase Claypool after this game. Like the talent, you're 100 right, absolutely unbelievable. You know he's he's obviously good. He's gonna. You, I agree with you. He's gonna have some ceiling games, but the problem is right now, like he's he's kind of still the number three guy, like the number three receiver there. Um, Juju ran the most routes on the team. You know, Deontay was right there. Uh, Chase Claypool was there. I, like, I, I'm just a little concerned that. That he still he still hasn't taken like clearly taken over uh, Juju as like a, a a regular out like number two guy there that is a little bit concerning for his overall profile because Johnson is going to continue to get all the volume ten targets for him in this game uh, eight targets for Juju five for Chase Claypool so I came away a little nervous not like I'm like mm. oh let me freak out about Chase Claypool or anything but um, I would have liked to seen him take. Take that next step and like supplant Juju uh, as a the, the number two receiver here. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. And, you know, frankly, Juju's still a really good player. So it's not, it's not that, I guess it's not that surprising. Let Najee me just Harris- give you an uh, alternate yeah, take a second
0: because okay I, I feel like so, so Austin and I discussed Najee Harris and I gave uh, Austin. Dalton Del Don's fearless forecast for Najee, which was a hundred total yards and a touchdown. And Austin was like, for a rookie, mm, it's going to take him a minute. I'm going under for week one. And when I look at, and so like he was right, but I also feel like the more Najee Harris finds his footing, the way that Eckler said he would, the more I think he'll be involved in the passing game. And he'll take away some of that short yardage volume for Juju and maybe allow for Chase to, like, beast a bit more on the outside or at least get more downfield targets than the immediate dinking and dunking that we're seeing.
1: That is definitely possible because obviously Chase Claypool has the highest air yards per target on the team at, at 12, whereas Juju's at like, you know, Juju and Johnson are both at that like six range, Um, which God, I would love to see both those guys not get stuck in that yeah. stupid role again this year. I agree with you on that point actually because the Steelers last year, they threw to their running backs at the lowest percentage of any team in the NFL. I think that Najee will change that at some point. And the good news, like – if you're coming in, like, don't even, no one cares. You shouldn't care at all. Like, coming later yes. in the care, don't care column. Don't care about his slow stat line. Care about the fact that he played 100% of the snaps in week one. Like, he is going to be that guy for this team going forward. So, I'm not worried for a second about Najee. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would like to see the offense. That's been the, the take all along is, like, Don't throw these little pop gun passes to Juju or these pop gun passes to Deontay. Let him run a little farther downfield and just do those little dump off things to, to Najee.
0: So we'll see what happens. We'll see if the evolution trickles that way. Are you concerned at all? I mean, you mentioned some concern about Claypool. We've addressed that. What about Josh Allen?
1: Yeah, I mean... Was I, this a T.J. Watt?
0: That, like, T.J. Watt just earning his bag?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of think so. I think that that was, like, a little bit discounted going... Like you said, the the Bills were favored by so much, and, like, I guess it's just skepticism of, of Ben Roethlisberger overall, which is fair. That's that's totally fine to be skeptical of Ben Roethlisberger. But, um, you know, yeah, it wasn't a best game for Josh Allen. Sacked three times. You know, Devin Singletary gets his big opportunity uh, with Zach... By the way, Zach Moss uh, it was also a healthy scratch in this game, and, you know, they just weren't... They didn't want to play him. Um, They might feel differently after watching Devin Singletary this week. He's explosive, but also fumbled twice and like bad looking fumbles too. He didn't, he got lucky. He got like the lucky fumble where he didn't lose them. They just like popped out of bounds or whatever. But still, I feel like coaches will remember that. So we'll see about the whole Zach Moss thing. But also of note for the Bills, you know, Cole Beasley is is clearly entrenched as the number two. Emmanuel Sanders is not far behind as the number three, and Gabe Davis, while he caught a touchdown, is still dist- is the distant fourth in routes run here. So yeah, Beasley, thirteen targets. Everybody doesn't want to touch Cole Beasley, <laughs> literally and figuratively, uh, for for a few reasons. But uh, it's it he's still as long as he's out there, he's gonna be catching you know eight passes for sixty yards.
0: That's gross. You know what else is gross? It is gross. Matt Ryan's play was real gross. I like I kind of don't get it. You know, the last season, (laughs) the Falcons were on a five game losing streak and like they just kept going. It's here we go again. This is like game six in a row. And with Arthur Smith, there's a lot of questions here. I mean, I guess you could say, like, uh, the silver lining of this is (laughs) Jalen Hurts seems to be real. And nobody's worried about Devonta Smith's BMI right now.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know what the hell happened to the Falcons offense other than their line is not good. Their defense is going to put them in bad positions. Their offensive line is not that good. And Philly is still rather deep in the front seven.
0: But why are they so inefficient? Like, like, Pitts and Ridley both get eight targets, and, like, Calvin Ridley only converts five of eight for 51?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, prob- the problem with, like, this offense right now is that, again, if the protection's bad, I feel like Matt Ryan is not the type of guy to compensate for that. He still knows this style of offense well from the year that he won the MVP with Kyle Shanahan, but that's a situation worth monitoring for sure. Uh, but I-, I feel like the take mostly here is just is I'm not too worried about pitts or ridley or anything like that just kind of a situation to monitor you know mike davis this this does kind of show you like the floor of mike davis right like six targets 15 carries cordero patterson much more involved than anybody expected i think seven carries for old much more efficient
0: by the way cpap is averaging over seven yards per carry meanwhile mike davis can't even hit 3.5
1: Yikes. Tough scene. Tough scene. Well, yeah, this is not the type of game script that you want for Mike Davis. And it is a little I don't know this. This whole Falcons offense is a little strange because, you know, you would think that they'd want to have like a more aggressive running game. But like Mike Davis is just the guy that they're banking on. It is a little strange uh, on the Eagles side, though. Jalen Hurts extremely encouraging performance. I know it was against the Falcons defense that I make fun of all the time. And uh, I will continue to make fun of all the time. Cause it's just not a good unit, but this is the type of passing performance you'd have wanted to see out of Jalen hurts. You know, this, he, he was, he was great. Uh, he was like a bottom five quarterback in completion percentage above expectation last year. He was over not nine percent completion percentage over expectation last year. He was accurate. He's getting the ball out on time. Like Devontae Smith was immediately. Like the presence was felt there. Yeah. Eight targets led the team, obviously like he can get open where no one else can really get open. And then that allows like Jalen Rager to do things like get a screen pass where he just runs after the catch. Like that's what Jalen Rager should be doing uh, as your number two receiver. I I do think Smith is just kind of like a skeleton key for this entire offense. And um, I, I'm, I was really encouraged by Jalen Hurts. Like if he keeps this up, if he keeps passing that efficiently and still rushing for like 60 yards a game, he's going to be like a top five quarterback this year. But we have to see, I think we do want to wait and see like um, him against a real defense, like a real actual with, with NFL players on it. That would be nice. I
0: I was also encouraged by miles Sanders. Frankly, Um, it was not as crowded of a backfield as I think a lot of people anticipated and Sanders. I mean, if you watch the game, like he showed really good patience and he was involved in the, in the passing game. he, converted four of five for almost 40 yards. So I think Sanders, again, similarly to Swift, one of those players that fell a lot heading into the draft for a a glut of reasons and is holding his value if you drafted him where you had to.
1: Yeah, I would still, uh, Kenny Gainwell might be a guy to still take a look at on waivers if he just needs some insurance because he did get a touchdown, was getting involved in the game prior to, like, straight garbage time, too. So he, he might be a little more, rookie Kenny Gainwell might be a little more involved, too.
0: I don't understand patrick mahomes i don't I, like i don't get it i watch it with my eyes and i think how is this happening i feel like that kid in the youtube video like the first ever meme created is this real life after going to the dentist patrick mahomes
1: throwback it, throwback meme there <laughs>
0: yeah, well it is a, i'm doing a show with you i have to like use my words to articulate a meme that's that's what we do uh god
1: yeah <laughs> classic <laughs>
0: <laughs> 350 total yards four total touchdowns by the way didn't really come out like I think maybe Cleveland was even like I think we got him I think we got him but kind of felt a little bit like the uh 2020 Super Bowl against the 49ers were like you're like yep. I say, is it gonna happen is it gonna happen and then all of a sudden the f- switch is flipped and good night
1: I mean, I think the only team that's ever felt good about like, yep, we've got him and they had him was the Bucks in the Super Bowl last year. That that yeah. was the only time like literally in human history with Patrick Mahomes that like someone's had him and he has not been able to like that. It's that's the insane thing about him and Tyree Gill together. It's just it takes just one play. And it's like all that good progress. It's 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 really is like a like you've been so good on your diet. You've been so good on your diet. You've been so good on your diet, and then all of a sudden um. it's like freaking you know Christmas cookies or something during the holiday season, or that one eat that you you were just like, well I'll just have one M M&M, and M, and you had a whole uh, pound bag. bag or something do like the bag. that. Yep. You do the bag, and then it's like, well, that well, all the good that just happened, all the good that we just did, like, what was the point of that? That's basically how the Browns have to feel after a play like that.
0: I mean, <laughs> definitely I agree. not speaking
1: from experience on that Eminem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely
1: not speaking from experience on that. I'm no, literally no,
0: no. thinking of a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos from last weekend that I was like, oh, it's so good at the beach, and then those Doritos happened. <laughs> but anyway, we should get a sponsor to Cool Ranch. Hit me up because. I've been buying you regardless. Um, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the game. Nick Chubb is just the, the he's the also like I interviewed Travis Kelsey a week ago and I asked him I was like yeah you you know you, the AFC we've got you clinched the division every year like I don't know is it ever gonna end and he like looked me straight in the eyes and he was like we're stacked we're we just we're stacked <sighs> with a shrug and I was just like he's so rude. And I'm watching the game today, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe he's a little bit cocky. And then, indeed, they're just stacked. I just don't think there's a way to stop them. And I think, encouragingly, well, let me ask your take. How do you feel about Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Because he was one of these divisive players coming into the draft. And, you know, last year, perhaps he was overdrafted. This year, they're stacked. He should be lifting in accordance with the rest of this offense did convert three of three in the passing game. I like that efficiency, but like, only 43 yards on the ground. Yeah,
1: he's fine. He's just boring. It's like, I don't know why he'd be divisive. He's just boring RB2, right? Like, that's probably what he's going to be. Because as long as Patrick Mahomes is alive, like, he's going to be the centerpiece of the offense. And we should expect that to continue to be the case. And um, there will probably be – I would I would love to see him more involved in the passing game. If I filibuster enough, I could pull up his, like, routes run and stuff like that. And, I mean, I've, I've filibustered for, for less, so that's no problem. Um, but overall, like, I would have expected him to be – more involved in the passing game and everything like that. But I don't know. I just feel like there will also, there will also be games, too, when the Chiefs don't have to, you know, seize victory from mm-hmm. the jaws of defeat or whatever. Um But overall, on his passing game role, yeah, he only ran 26 routes, which is kind of discouraging. You know, Tyreek Hill leads the team with 38, Travis Kelsey 35. McCole Hardman running more routes than Demarcus Robinson at 34, 28, and then 26 for a ceh there that is a little discouraging like you'd want him to be up there closer to that 30 range um to you know as a more full-time player but yeah I, I, he's never gonna have that ceiling unless he is like a guy that could push for eight to ten targets in a game right now it doesn't seem like that so yeah he's just kind of a boring like rb2 in a re- in a really good offense
0: what about the Browns? I mean, we know what Kevin Stefanski wants to do. We know, obviously, Nick Chubb finds the end zone twice on the ground. I mean, I guess you could argue, like, of course, any team facing the Chiefs is going to want to play keep away and focus on their ground game. But, like, eventually, even with a good defense like the Browns have, you're going to have to pass the ball. And I just I just feel like there's such reluctance to do that because it doesn't pr- work particularly it doesn't lead to the efficiency that I think Kevin Stefanski wants and needs out of Baker Mayfield as well. And so you see a ton of passing, a, a ton of spreading around different targets. But like most mm-hmm. of the focus here, obviously on the ground.
1: Yeah. And it's a shame, too, that Baker throws that late game interception and kind of like sealed their fate there on that one. You know, in a, in a game where he he pr- should have just lived to to fight another, for another down there because he was getting pressured. He threw the ball where he shouldn't have thrown it. Um, to end that game there. But overall, like, Baker was great. I think this was one of Baker's great games. I think he was
0: great, but for fantasy purposes, like, he didn't throw a single touchdown. Like, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, 21 of 28, we like that efficiency out of him. But in a day where there's no OBJ and you're playing the Chiefs, you want more than five catches out of Jarvis Landry.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's just they're never going to – I think the fact now that they've got guys like Anthony Schwartz the the speedy rookie 23 yards per catch on five targets um you know the fact that David Njoku is still splitting reps you know with uh, Austin Hooper like their two tight end offense all that Donovan Peoples Jones hype turned into one catch for four or f- for four freaking yards like yikes on that one out of training camp but um the fact that they're going to like they're going to spread the ball around we'll see maybe with when Beckham gets in there you know, he, he's more of a dominant target getter. But I, I do think, like, Baker has operated, operated really well in these situations where um, they spread the ball around a lot. So it's kind of one of those, like, what's best for fantasy is not best for what the Browns overall.
0: <laughs> At the top of FFL, remember how Andy was like, I'm really excited for, and I was like, ellipses waiting for something brilliant because Andy's so stinking smart, and he was like, Jameis Winston. And I think you and I were both like,
1: I made fun. I literally made fun of him. I said, "You're you're gonna. You've waited all this time to watch Jameis fricking Winston in Week One. Well, Uh. who's the dumbass now, Harmon?
0: Right? Like Jameis Winston without Mike Michael Thomas." Like, with uh, opposite Jair Alexander on assumedly Callaway, like, this seemed like such a disaster. And speaking of memes, like, I, I was waiting for somebody like Aaron Rodgers to, like, pull the mask off and it to be Jameis Winston. Like, this was, like, the reversal game. Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns, zero interceptions, wasn't sacked once. I mean, he didn't even clear 150 yards. But holy heck, Deontay Harris scored one touchdown and then two of them to my guy, Juwan Johnson over the summer. Actually, it was like a month ago that like switched between Adam Troutman potentially being the like hot tight end to Juwan Johnson, the converted wide receiver started to catch hold. And like, I have to be honest, I like threw darts at him everywhere that I couldn't get either Mark Andrews, Gerald Everett, or um, TJ Hawkinson. And when I saw him go up in the end zone, I was like, I gotta, I gotta look up his arm length. This is insanity. 34 and a quarter inches, gorgeous. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of volume he's gonna get, but he is definitely gonna be used in the red area of the field. And even though Adam Troutman saw more overall targets, like three catches for 18 yards, that is not the kind of production I want out of a tight end in a Sean Payton offense.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, as you mentioned, Troutman saw more volume, ran more routes. Um, but I like the fact, I mean, this was like, this game was just Sean Payton's masterpiece, I think. Yeah. Like, he's been waiting to do some stuff like this, like the vertical shots with Jameis, everything, you know, over eight air yards per attempt. That made like Drew Brees' little toupee thing uh, shake when he <laughs> saw that air yards per attempt. Uh, <laughs> that, high. give me a break. I think um, they're
0: plugs. I don't think it's a piece.
1: The, uh, yeah, I, don't it's I don't know. I don't
0: know enough about it.
1: I don't either. So yeah, maybe I should. Well, I don't know. At some point, I might have to think about. I'm not gonna. I can't do that. I can't. I can't do that. I can't look like that. I can't. I can't. Anyways, no one cares. No, literally, no one cares about that. Uh, but the point here is like, Sean Payton designing open windows, like getting those plays where Dwan Johnson was just like wide open in the red zone. That was really encouraging. Everything like that. So. Yeah, I, I think this was just a masterpiece by Sean Payton. Uh, this looked like honestly, J- Jameis Winston's stat line looked like Lamar Jackson from 2019. Where he throws 20 passes but five oh touchdowns, God. like that's some absurd stuff there. So um, this, this, like, I will admit that I came in at different points like nervous about the Saints' offense. Now I'm just kind of like jacked up to the fact too that. This was the one thing that kinda threw me with the whole Marquez Callaway like mega hype train that happened in the preseason. It's like, well at some point Michael Thomas is gonna come back and like Marquez Callaway can be a pretty good player for them, but like Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas and as long as he and the team can like kiss and make up or whatever, he's gonna come back and make this offense even better.
0: Well, it makes it, I mean, if he's coming back to a winning record, then I think it's easier to kiss and make up than if you know, yeah. like Kenny Galladay last year, right? Oh, I don't really think I want to work my, well, work myself back that quickly for a losing yeah. effort. So we'll see if Sean Payton can continue to, to sculpt these gorgeous games together. Uh, obviously, obviously. Alvin Kamara beasted. But I guess the real question, Matt, we've wasted all this time on the Saints because we didn't expect it coming. But I think what we really didn't expect was the last dance to look a lot like my senior prom. And I went with the pastor's son, so it was not spicy. Yikes. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's a tough tough scene. scene.
1: Yeah, all that drama with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason only to come back in week one and get your ass handed to you by Jameis Winston. What a tough, tough scene for Aaron Rodgers there. I, I feel like I have no nuance. I have no, like... Oh, here's here's what really happened with yeah. the Packers in week one. I think this is just like there's going to be days like this, you know, like sometimes stuff happens. And and hey, things happened and uh, they probably will not happen co- to continue going forward. As you mentioned, they get the Lions next week, right?
0: Yeah. At home. That's
1: a nice little get right. Get get nice little get right game. I think we'll see better Packers performances next week.
0: Mama said, Mama said. prediction. <laughs> All right listen I think we all had the Broncos I think we all had like the 49ers defense and the Broncos defense ranked one and two yeah. in our week one rankings but I don't yeah. think we expected the Giants to look so bad and I will say props to you while props to you for like your Sterling Shepard take because you said you couldn't quit him you talked him up on FFL and like all right
1: well, on the on the Giants note overall, I was very 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 tempted to take um to take the Broncos as my Survivor pick this week in my Survivor pool because I w- I was that confident that the Broncos were going to kick the crap out of the Giants. I w- I they there was just too much of a mismatch there, but I was too scared and I went with the Rams uh, over over the Bears. Uh, you know, just yeah, I, I I said I went with them. I didn't say how mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. going for me. I mm-hmm. said I went with the Rams over the Bears uh, because I wanted to go with the home team. Like I was too. Sc- I don't want to be. Nothing's worse than being the person that goes out on the first week of Survivors. <laughs> (laughs) That's just a tough look for you. Uh, So I didn't end up going with the Broncos. Should have maybe though, because like, when am I going to pick the Broncos again Um, on the Giants? Yeah, it was a messy performance like I said it 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 pro- we probably should have expected a messy performance. Daniel Jones fumbles. This guy's got 40 turnovers in like sub 30 career starts. It's unbelievable. Like does he drink a 40 every time before he plays a football game? But like he does he's not turn- look like the
0: kind of guy who drinks a 40,
1: huh? I'm going to guess no <laughs> to. I'm going to guess he's never played Edward 40 hands. But uh a Sterling Shepard, yeah, I was so gassed up that Shepard had that big game. Like there has been kind of you know, a sneaky little drumbeat out of New York that, like, the beat writers are very enthusiastic about Shepard's chances to like lead the team in catches and yards. And I, w- I mean, let's- i will never stop talking about it if it happens. I'll say, I'll say that. But um, on the Broncos side, Teddy Bridgewater was great in this game. I don't know how much you got to, how much you got to watch of it, but like, he was. So good. He was number two in EPA per play among quarterbacks heading into Sunday Night Football. Um, he was absolutely making the most of his opportunities, completed 77.8% of his passes, was actually pushing the ball a little bit downfield. And the most like, this is going to be a pain for fantasy, but it was great to see out of the offense overall. The Broncos are like sneaky loaded and sneaky deep at, at they receiver. They have been sneaky
0: loaded, though. Like we, th- th- I feel like that's yeah. Like, I'm going to let you finish, but like they have been sneaky loaded. I feel like the Teddy Bridgewater start over Drew Locke was evidence that maybe Fangio feels a little insecure about his need to win this season after coming in yes. last in the division last year because Ted, you were right. Teddy Bridgewater was technically great. And he did steady. most of it without... He was steady. Perfect word for it. He was... Per, perfect word is steady. We should mention that Jerry Judy was carted yep. off the field uh from what i've read thus far it looks like a high ankle sprain frankly i thought that's a lot better than what i thought it was yeah. when i saw it happen
1: i thought we were looking at like dak injury yep, type same. stuff because it, yeah it, it, it looked like that but no break which was so great to see. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate, but it might be like six to eight weeks is kind of the, the what I've seen right now. And it's a bummer because Judy was off to such a good start. Six catches on seven targets for 72 yards. He was looking great, looking like the apple of Teddy Bridgewater's eye. And then Bridgewater was kind of spreading it around to everybody else. So, you know, Tim Patrick catches a touchdown in this one, ran the second most routes. If you need a receiver help on waivers, if you're Brandon Ayuk panicking, like maybe you go pick up Tim Patrick. I don't know. Every year um, we do this
0: with him though. Every year, Tim Patrick. Yeah,
1: let's get Tim Patrick a real opportunity. KJ Hamler dropped the ball in this one, but still, overall, like I think he brings some juice to the table. And in the backfield for the Broncos, like if you drafted Melvin Gordon late, you can probably just play him until uh, until the music stops. You know, because he and Javante Williams split the snaps right down the middle. 14 carries for Williams, 11 carries for Gordon. He obviously rips that long uh, Mm -hmm. touchdown run there, but also at the same time three catches on three targets for Melvin Gordon and just one uh, for Javante Williams. So this is a straight up 50, 50 split backfield. And based on week one, Melvin Gordon didn't do nothing to, to get like completely supplanted by Javante.
0: No, it's the last year of his deal. He's not dumb. He he wants to get paid. Uh, I think that, you know, we might see Williams overtake him eventually, but I agree. Like Gordon's going to be an RB three for you, maybe a low end RB two, depending on the matchup every single week. So he looked good. And the Broncos, the Broncos are at the Jaguars next week. So I think you're probably going to oh, like Gordon again uh, in week 2
1: going to like all your Broncos again. That uh, Tyrod Taylor and, and Mark Ingram and Brandon Cooks are lighting this team up. Fire Indeed. up all the Broncos.
0: Miami... New England, Miami is the team that like every single year seems to give New England fits. It's especially exciting now, given Flores taking it to his teacher. I was like, Damian Harris has arrived. It is happening. He started early and then did not. And and he had great production, but did not end on the best note as he fumbled the ball in the red zone or in the red area of the field, uh, which, you know, we know Bill Belichick doesn't like and also allowed Miami to, uh, to ice it here
1: so let's go good bad good here for damien harris good as you mentioned not just productive but was like the workhorse of good. this backfield Looked good as well. 23 carries while the rest of the backfield got just six. That's between James White and Ramadre Stevens. Harris averaged three point one yards after contact per rush, so very good. As we mentioned, also even juicier, ran just six fewer routes than James White and got three targets. Like if Harris is gonna get three to four targets a week while also getting that rushing workload, that's Chef Kiss. That's great. We love that. And the bad though, as you mentioned, the fumble. But the potential good news here, Remadre Stevens, who's like kind of the guy lurking over his shoulder, also lost a fumble and blew a key pass protection spot that led up a big hit late on Mac Jones. So the good news maybe for Harris is that uh, maybe Belichick is pissed at him about that fumble, but he might be just as pissed at this other guy. So like it's okay, like we, we, we yeah. So like let's 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 not like freak out about Harris. But yeah, you would have loved to have him like smash in the game winning touchdown or something. But still overall, I think a good encouraging performance despite that week one fumble, which is naturally going to give all of us, um, you know, some PTSD there.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Also, we should mention Mac Jones first touchdown as a pro went to nelson aguilar which you know i didn't have on my bingo card
1: yeah yeah but i mean these two like actually the passing game looks kind of clear too after this game um you know overall like mac jones 6.3 air yards per attempt get the ball out pretty quick high completion percentage like i think the era of quick strike up tempo new england passing game is 100 percent back uh nelson aguilar and jacoby myers Nine targets for Myers, seven targets for Aguilar. They both ran 38 routes, which was hot, tied for the team lead. Jonu Smith, 19. Hunter Henry, 25. Like, this passing game is pretty straightforward to me. The tight ends are going to be a little, like, they're going to cannibalize each other because it's just the nature of the position. But, like, Myers is firmly entrenched as, like, the layup high reception guy. Going to get the most targets. But Aguilar is definitely, like, a boomer bust, uh, touchdown, deep threat type of guy.
0: Let's move over to the Dolphins. Um Devontae Parker, obviously Will Fuller suspended for this game, so he wasn't active. Uh, Devontae Parker led the team in targets with seven. I did think that that was—he was not efficient, right? Like, he converted four of them for 81 yards. I did think it was encouraging that Tua was willing to because that was one of the big complaints last year his his um, reluctance to push the ball into like tighter windows that Devo- you know Devonta Parker doesn't get the same separation blah 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 it's Jalen Waddle the rookie that Tua has a relationship with from college that finds the end zone but I did think in terms of Tua's progress and evolution as a quarterback I was encouraged by the fact that he was willing to let Parker be the wide receiver one, even if it wasn't, like, the prettiest from jump.
1: Sure, and also, uh, Jalen Waddle did drop, like, a pretty open touchdown, or a pretty open, like, deep play, too, so that Waddle's day could have been even better. And actually, one of Waddle's catches, not the touchdown, uh, but one of his other catches was uh, a pretty, like, tight window throw as well, like, little not too much separation from the defender that, you know, he let Waddle go up. And Waddle's not like Devontae Parker, like, right? Like, Devontae Parker is Mm -hmm. the contested Contested catch
0: guy yeah
1: yeah yeah, exactly also um in terms of like how often he threw into tight windows uh you know next gen stats tracks this uh metric it's their like aggressiveness metric Tua threw 25.9 percent of his passes into a tight window which they define as less than a yard of separation that was actually fourth highest among guys heading into sunday night football so that was actually a very it's a good point by you to, to note that because that was Something that we weren't expecting and was a very encouraging note on Tua overall. Tua made some pretty crucial mistakes in this one too, so like he's still not all the way there. But I think the fact that we've got kind of the timidness or gunshyness potentially out of the way is a pretty good step forward.
0: Any takes on the Ravens Raiders game? How about some single game DFS takes? Um, who who are you who are you liking in this one?
1: We we go ahead and we go throw uh, Lamar Jackson in that in that superstar spot. Absolutely. Uh, 35 bucks. And you're going to take the over on his carries at 10 and a half, apparently, which is at Bet MGM, which the odds are like, you're not getting a lot on that, like the odds wise, but, uh, that's cause it's like basically a stone lock, right? This, this Raiders defense has not figured itself out yet. If, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're pretty big. You were pretty big, like Brian Edwards person coming out of college, right?
0: I was, I, I like him a lot. Um, I think for $10 it, in the single game DFS lineup that I, made i threw brian edwards in um i also had yes i i think i like to we've talked about this with other players when you look at a receiving core which of these is not like the other so that you can single out skill sets and i think that in this offense brian edwards actually stands out as uh, a physical possession like receiver on the outside and i don't think you know the team has any of that
1: yeah, he it could be Derek Carr's new Michael Crabtree is the way that I've looked at him. Sure. Like They made some great connections back in the day, and yeah – You could take. I think I'm. I would take the over on the three and a half catches mark for him, which you're actually going to get plus odds on that one. Because spoiler alert, Brian Edwards has never (laughs) had that many catches in any game ever. Uh, But yeah, for ten bucks, uh, DFS as well. I really like that, and because then that gives you access to having both quarterbacks in your lineup. Um, It gives you you can then get potentially Darren Waller in the lineup as well. So yeah, overall, really like Brian Edwards as as an ad there, and also because then if you you do that, then you just play Tyson Williams for ten bucks too. Because damn. Ravens have had so many <laughs> injuries there. that It's like, oh, yeah, you get yourself a free square there with Tyson Williams.
0: So, two, you spend 20 bucks on Edwards and, and Williams. Um,
1: not you bad. Guys,
0: no, not bad at all. You should check those out for a full recap of the football weekend. Make sure you're subscribed to our college football podcast, College Football Inquirer, and our NFL podcast, which I mentioned earlier with Charles Robinson. You pod to win the game. Scott Pianowski and Andy Barons will be back with your week two waiver wire pickups tomorrow. Until then, football is back and we are out.